autistic people with quality of life and opportunity. You're listening to the Autism CRC podcast. This is the Autism at Work speaker series featuring pre-recorded audio captured during the live Autism at Work virtual summit event held in March 2023. Hear from over 40 local and international speakers, panelists and presenters, including neurodivergent employees and employers, as they discuss the important topics affecting autistic people at work. You can also watch this series on the Autism CRC YouTube channel. All right, my friends, welcome. It's great to see you back again. I'm Orion Kelly, uh, that autistic guy, um, and we're here for what I think is going to be one of the best panels you're going to have for the two days, because this is an employee panel. Okay, so insights from employees, and it's sponsored by our friends at Sunpork. Thank you, Sunpork, for sponsoring this particular session. It's going to be one hell of a session, I reckon. Employing people with autism, well, that's the goal, right? And this panel is regularly one of the most popular sessions because, well, obviously, we hear directly from autistic people on their specific and personal experiences with employment. So I reckon we should get this ball rolling. And what we're going to do, before we ask any questions, let's just one by one, softly, gently, no pressure, no stress, I just want, I'm going to get all our panellists one by one to introduce themselves, tell us a bit about the job they do, and maybe a few words on what that involves. Okay, so really a way of quickly getting to know our panellists. Okay, let's start with uh, with Luke. Luke, would you mind introducing yourself and, and your role and what that entails, Luke? Hey, uh, my name's Luke, and I'm a cybersecurity analyst at uh, the Department of Treasury in Canberra. So my job is basically to make sure that everything that enters our network is safe and uh, to help users with blocked emails and applications and ensure that everyone has proper authorization when using our systems. Fantastic. Thank you, Luke. And welcome, my friend. Thank you for being here today. We're going to get to Nicole now. Nicole, uh, could you introduce yourself? Tell us a bit about you. G'day. I'm Nicole. I work for NAB. Um, and at the moment, I'm oh, I'm, a, I'm a fraud tech analyst. And at the moment, I'm focusing on updates to our system that checks the biometric data of a customer who's filling out online application forms. And I'm also working on the communication system that sends SMS alerts to customers if there's fraud detection on their account. So, yeah, that's me. So uh, relatively quiet for you then. Uh, fantastic. Well done, Nicole. Uh, now let's uh, introduce James. James, welcome, my friend. Tell us a bit about you and what you do. Hello, my name's James. Uh, I work for DXE Technologies. Um, my position is a trainee Wintel engineer. Uh, pretty much that concerns with patching servers and maintaining them. So pretty much making sure that they have all their needed security updates um, and other updates that they need. Um, and obviously there's also a lot of troubleshooting in that job as well. So yeah, that's pretty much it. Fantastic. Thanks, James. And before we get to our, uh, our questions, our final panelist, Daniel. Welcome, Daniel. Would you like to tell us a bit about you and your job? Hey, um, my name's Daniel Slavin. Um, I'm a piggery attendant with Sun Park Farms in rural Queensland. Um, it mostly involves 
looking after the animals, like feeding them, medicating them, moving them around, and just making sure that they live the best lives possible. Now, while we've got you, Daniel, don't go anywhere because I want to ask the first question uh, to you, my friend. So what, what part of being autistic do you think is, is a strength? How do, you, how do you think being autistic helps you excel at your job? Well, I think my biggest strength would be having a different perspective, like, and it kind of helps me excel at my job, like having, it's a tough one, but um, no, just looking at things differently, like if there's something wrong with the cell or the piglets, I would, I would note it down or, yeah, and just sorry just a bit shy um no you're doing a great job i mean when you talk about perspective that's important you know you look at it you look at your role differently to other people right yeah i look at it a little differently like and it comes kind of comes in every day at work like like a different task um and just putting <laughs> oh it's been too long since i <laughs> No, camera don't, don't, don't stress. And it makes sense because, you know, every day when you come in and you do your role, I mean, you, you obviously have a completely different, uh, a completely different way of viewing things and seeing things. And as a, as a result, you know, there's probably things that you pick up and things that you, you know, you think about and things that you experience differently. So that that's obviously a really important strength, you know, for you and your job. Yeah. Now, what, Luke, what about you, my friend? What do you, what do you think strength-wise? How does it help you in your role? Yeah, I'd say one of one of my key strengths would have to be uh, my attention to detail, because it, especially in a field like cybersecurity, missing some small detail could end up being catastrophic. So uh, I'd say my keen eyes have proven to be pretty valuable. Uh, and linked to that, another one would be strong focus like it's pretty easy for me to put blinders on just to focus on one specific task so not being distracted by anything else and it can be tough when the thing that you want to focus on isn't your work but but when it is your work you can you can really excel absolutely james what about you how do you find being you know being different being an autistic person helps you in what you do I feel like I'm going to probably say more or less the same sort of stuff. Um, in my position specifically, there is definitely a lot of eye for detail stuff. Um, there's a lot of servers that need a lot of attention. Um, and I find that for me, at least, I like to double check stuff. Um, so to make sure that there's absolutely no way in, in any way that there's going to be any mistakes. Um, and also, I guess, just that different perspective and, um, yeah, pretty much what's already sort of been said, I guess. <laughs> no, well, I appreciate you. Um, I appreciate you contributing. Nicole, before we move on, is there anything that, that hasn't kind of been spoken about that you wanted to touch on about you personally, that you find it, it creates a strength for you in your role? Um, I think for me, it's picking up on patterns. Um, you know, if, if something's a little bit off, um, I'll, I'll often pick that up. 
um yeah it's that attention to detail kind of stuff um which in frauds really important <laughs> i bet i bet okay well uh, hey daniel i just wanted to ask you a bit about getting a job recruitment process wise so daniel were there were the parts of the recruitment process for your job your current job that you think made the whole process better for you made it easier yeah well it's a sort of different recruitment process than i used to um like it's more hands-on and like to start off with they did a little workshop where they introduced all the equipment all the pictures of the piggery before we actually go into it. So as well as introducing to other candidates, as well as people who work at the piggery. Um, and, then up, and then the day after, um, we go into the piggery, go to different sites and they get us to do different tasks, like only if we're comfortable with it. Like, so for example, I did artificial insemination like during their first day of workshop and then after and then for a couple of weeks um they put us in a traineeship like for a few days per week so where we would try different roles and get used to working with with the pigs as well as getting used to the environment the smells the noise and everything and and they would ask us questions and stuff like that. Um, like there wasn't any traditional interviews and such like you would find with many other companies. So I think that's what makes it really stand out. Um, and on the side, they would give us booklets and pamphlets on information, not just on the piggery, but the town as well, like where we wouldn't settle once we get the position so i think that's what really makes it stand out to me absolutely well that's it sounds like you talk about your you know previous experiences and how um how different this particular experience was uh, and you talked about things like job interviews and those types of things which makes me think daniel you know for employers that are watching that are thinking about recruiting people who are, who are autistic neurodivergent people is that the kind of advice is that the kind of advice you want to give them to think about the things that they do just because that that's how they've always done it with interviews and and different uh you know diff different ways they they employ people is, is that the kind of advice you would give to people about thinking about employing autistic people look at how you recruit that process yeah i would recommend doing that sort of similar program when recruiting people on the spectrum um you just gotta make sure the recruits feel supported and comfortable and feel welcome, as well as getting used, as well as helping them get used to the environment and different noises because it'll be their first time like being in that sort of position. Um, I think that's how I would give advice to them. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Uh, let's talk a bit about um, a bit about challenges and adaptions and those types of things. And Nicole, before we get to, I guess, some adaptions and things that are making that can make life easier for you, Nicole, did you could you talk a bit about, you know, but for the adaptions, what what do you think are some of the biggest challenges uh, 
whether it's for you or you know for, for people that you've uh, you've come to know uh, neurodivergent people in the workplace what, what are the kind of the biggest challenges that that you've faced or you know you, you understand people face um thinking about things that I've done in the past um I have a very sensitive sense of smell um and there are certain jobs that I've had in the past where that's been not a big issue but something that um I think has worn me down over the day kind of thing so you know you're you're there first thing in the morning and you're like okay there's the familiar smell again and um but then over the day it just yeah it becomes something that is distracting and and that kind of thing and wears away at you um I think also so for me um I have transition anxiety so going from one place to another um is uh difficult so I've never been really great at commuting because by the time I get to work, I'm exhausted um, and I'm really not ready to start a day of work. Um, so that's been a problem for me. Um, and having had jobs in the past, that's been difficult to navigate. Um, yeah, so things like that, loud noises and distractions, uh, while I'm trying to focus on something, especially something that I don't really want to focus on. Um, Luke was talking before about focusing on things that you really enjoy and kind of losing time and forgetting what's going on around you. But if there's something that you're not wanting to focus on and then you're sensitive to sounds around you, that can be really, really distracting. Um, so those are some of the things that I've struggled with in the past. Um, and also communication. Uh, there are days where I'll lose my words and I won't be able to speak as fluently and um, articulately as I would like. And that becomes really frustrating, um, speaking in a very stilted manner and then having to explain to people that I need a little bit more time today um, and my audio processing's not great at the moment so yeah that's that's been things that I've struggled with myself yeah and you know what then like that's some really some really inf important powerful information and I mean that from the point of view of the, people can fall into the trap of looking at an autistic person as a particular static point on on a spectrum right uh, and, and not to mention they think it's it's linear but, but the point is that autistic people uh, you know we all have daily support needs uh, and and rather than functioning high low medium whatever i class them at it's fluid you know some days your support needs are higher than others and what that means is because they're fluid the, you know you can present differently uh, in a workplace in in, in the outside world uh, differently every day and little things throughout the day can even change how you present and i think it's it's important to realize how these start to add up. So transitioning, clearly, like we've talked about, transitioning is an issue for all autistic people. If you have an autistic kid, you know that just to get them to do one thing to the next. And, and you know, you, you've got to get up in the morning. There's all these transitions. You've got to get to work. And then, of course, you get to work 
And, you know, like Luke was saying, you want to focus on something, but then there's a pop-up meeting. How good are pop-up meetings? Or then there's a hundred meetings in the day, no time to do anything but meet, you know, and then, then there's social interactions. Every time you walk past someone to go to the toilet, you've got to have the, you know, this, this kind of bizarre small talk interaction again. Um, and then, you know, then you have other things that you have, you actually are responsible for doing that are being interrupted by other people's demands. And then the, these things add up and this, these are where it can get really complicated. And James, I'm not entirely sure if you have any experiences to share from, from the past or, or the future. Uh, I, I presumably it's hard where you're working at the moment. If you're remotely or at home, it's presumably um, there'd be there'd be challenges. They'd be different. Did you have anything to share with your own kind of history of of challenges in the workplace? Uh, well, as you pointed out, I am working remote. Um, I've been into the office a couple of times, uh, and I've had some uh, work dinners and stuff that I've been to uh, just to get to know the team. Uh, I do struggle a lot with sort of social things, and um, I find that social activity does kind of sap it out of me <laughs> um but i guess the main challenges is or are for like it's just working from home so it's a different dynamic i almost kind of prefer it some people don't um but i guess the main thing that i've sort of realized is that sometimes on like uh, the chat that we use, so specifically we use Microsoft Teams. Um, <clears throat> there are people sort of off in their own little worlds and they don't respond immediately to messages, which is fine, I understand that. Um, but I feel like if I was in the office that I'd be able to get feedback a lot quicker than <laughs> I do now, so to speak. Um, and yeah, it's just a different dynamic because obviously I'm sort of, at the moment, I'm set up on my kitchen table uh by myself um which again does kind of work for me but also kind of doesn't so it's a weird sort of dissonance i guess you could say um but overall as for experiences previously and stuff like that some of the previous positions that i've had haven't been that great i haven't had the same support that i do in this position um and yeah i'm definitely a lot happier in this position <laughs> Well, everything you've just shared there is, is is really is really helpful, and I wanted to stop for a second to point out a few things to, to those to those watching. So we, we have a real, and I'm going to get to a, a different point in a second about how it shows how different everyone is. Okay, but for starters, let's talk about socialising. Okay, so um, social gatherings or social interactions in the workplace. Now, for the majority of uh, you know neurotypical people, it's um, it's not only part of work, but it, potentially it's the best part of work. Okay. And for, I'm not talking on behalf of anyone else on the panel. Um, I'm just talking about for me. It's for me, it's the worst part of work. Um, I hate the idea, like, I hate the idea of it, let alone doing it. Um, and it doesn't come from a malicious place. It actually comes from a, like, my brain doesn't even understand why I need to say hey to Jim every time I go to the toilet. It's like, you know, you know, we've already said hey, right? I'm going past him again. Do I have to do it again? G'day, Jim. Are you going to make it off the toilet again? Yeah, too much coffee. Um, but, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And so here's my key point to people watching this is really simple. Um, create an, for the neurodivergent people in your, in your company, your organization, create an opt in 
policy? Because from my point of view, social gatherings, whether it's team building exercises, whether what you stop working and go play 10 pin bowling for two hours, like how, who, who is that helping? Um, you know, you opt in. Okay. So it's Orion on Friday, the team are going to have lunch and 10 pin bowling as a team building thing. You can keep working um, or you can come. It's an opt-in thing. It's up to you. I'm just letting you know with plenty of notice, a good couple of weeks in advance, rather than an email on Thursday saying, hey, pizza and drinks at the 10 pin bowling center on Friday and everyone's going to love it. Um, and these are the kind of things that are really helpful. So this kind of opt-in policy and this providing notice of these social interactions, I think is a really important point for employers to understand based on what James just said. Now, Luke, this is interesting, right? Because we've got Nicole and James uh, re working remotely. Okay. And, you know, and saying this is, this is in, in, you know, in general terms, a much better fit for them. And from your point of view, talk, talk us through the environment you work in. And from my understanding from talking to you prior, it, you know, you work in person or, or on site um, and it's not something that you um, particularly struggle with or find that, in fact, you probably um, are quite happy with it. Um, so it's a different experience for those watching. Tell us a bit about your experience, you know, where you work, how you work and, and how you find it. Yeah, yeah. Working in an office really, really suits me well personally. Um, and a lot of a lot of the work, a lot of the interaction is just asking, there's a lot of asking questions because there's so much knowledge that only a few people there will ever, that only a few people there know. So almost every time we do something, there's always someone that needs to ask a question to someone else to show them how to do something. So it's a very collaborative environment, which, yeah, it's not something I'm used to, but it's something that I still really appreciate. But yeah, it, it, it is, it's nice. But yeah, even though I'm in the office most of the days, there are still days where I will work from home. Um, and those days can be <clears throat> a bit tougher to get work, work done, I'd find. So that's one of the, that's a challenge that I can have sometimes. It is nice to not have to drive into the office and pay for parking and you do things more at your own pace but yeah it, it does feel like you get less done and then you have less support on those days but another challenge that I have is just simply asking for help sometimes because a lot of the people around me they always they always look so busy and they're all they're all they're sometimes calling other people and it's like it's it's hard to feel like that it's all right for me to flag them down and ask them for a moment to help me out with something. But they've they've, they've, they've assured me if if I need help, just just reach out to them, and I and I need to trust them on that 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 I can do that, that I can tap into them whenever I need to. And Luke, I want I want to ask you this follow up because obviously um, you are well, and Daniel is too, but you, you're you're on site. Any adaptions? I mean, any any workplace adjustments or adaptions or, or things that you've asked for or they've provided or you that have popped up that have been useful or helpful? I'm sure if there were there were things that I needed in order to work, then they would be able to accommodate that for me. But I haven't really needed them yet. Um, and for me. I'd say it's it's important for me 
to be treated the same way as everyone else here. Like, even though I know I think and work differently to other people, I still want to be seen the same way as everyone else. And that's, that's deep, man. That's deep. When people watching this, they have to understand, you know, you can live a life when you're, you know, when you're, when you're different, you're totally different and you can live a life where you don't feel like you're part of everyone else. or you don't feel like you're accepted or part of the team. And, and that's, you just want that. And people might, but the thing is, Luke, um, people watching might go, but hang on, Luke, that doesn't make any sense. So you're saying you, are you saying you do want employers to do what they should do and, and help to be help and be inclusive for autistic people? Or you're saying you don't and you just want to be treated like everyone else. Do you see how that can be confusing to them? I can definitely understand that. Um, I think the key thing is to just always be asking them if they need help. Like, great, great point. Yeah. Cause if sometimes I will need something and then I will just not pipe up until I am asked if I need something. So it is important that, that they ask if I need something, but a lot of the time when they do ask, I don't need anything. I'm doing, I'm traveling just fine, but it is still important and valuable to me that they do ask. Great, great point, Luke. That's a great point, ask. N Nicole, uh, is it fair to say the greatest adaption in your working life has been working remotely or working from home? Can you talk about... Uh, I guess, can you talk about that adaption or the adaptions that have actually helped you um, thrive in employment? Yeah, uh, working from home has been a, a game changer for me. I think um, with transition anxiety, the transition from uh, getting ready for work and being at work is significantly smaller. Um, so yeah, that's uh, been something amazing. Uh, so I work entirely remotely from Brisbane and my the rest of my team is based in Melbourne um, and we have a few members in India and the Philippines so it's it's kind of cool to be able to um, be part of a team in that way but as James was saying um, sometimes that's can be difficult um, especially uh, like because the only way that I meet with my team is on Zoom. And so one of the adaptations that sometimes I ask for is if people can use their video. Um, so when I'm having a, a poor audio processing day, um, it helps to be able to read people's lips when they speak, um, especially with some of our team who have particular accents as well. Um, so being able to see someone when they speak um, is sometimes important. Um, also things like if we have like a webinar or something um, to be able to have captions for the videos um, so that, you know, that makes things easier as well. Um, yeah, so those are some of the adaptations that that I've had. But those were, were things that were quite specific. So I had to um, take initiative and ask for those things. Um, but, yeah, my I meet with my team leader once a week and he asks me um, how I'm going and if I need anything 
um, and helps to clarify tasks that I've been given as well. Um, just having that one-on-one -on -one, um, interaction I found really helpful. Um, yeah, to be able to ask in a one-on-one -on -one setting um, is important to not, as, as Luke said, to be able to be treated the same as everyone else. So it's not ever in a group setting that someone will, you know, that he will ask if I need any help. So yeah, that's that's been good. Some of the um the adaptations for me, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And that builds on, you know, like I say what Luke was saying, which is the 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 key cultural shift of always always asking, always inquiring, always thinking. And you know, I don't want to get into like a business um, lecture here, but this is the four seasons philosophy. This is why they are, why they are, and why employees want to work there and not other places, because it is ingrained in their culture. If you pass another member of the team, you ask them how they are, how they're going, can they help them with anything? And that's that's just part of the culture. And that's why they are where they are. Now, hey, James, um, you, you obviously work remotely, but you've just heard from two people, one in an office, one remotely, from your past experiences and your current experiences, even right now, what are the the, the, uh, the adjustments, the adaptations, the things that uh, you've had or, or have that help you in your role or help you do your job to the best of your ability? So I guess one of the major adaptions that I do have, or I guess you could consider it one, um, we have, or as a part of sort of my contract, we have like an autism assistance person who, uh, if we have an issue with uh, like getting a hold of a manager or something, they will talk to them about it. Um, I'm a part of the, if you may know about it, the Dandelion program. <laughs> I don't really know why they called it that. But um, so pretty much, it is aiming to hire neurodivergent people within the IT industry. Um, I guess another relatively small adaption that I have um, is constant feedback um, about whether I did a job well or whether I didn't do it so well, um, and also constructive criticism around that. Um, as I'll if I don't get told, I'll just keep doing the same thing over and over again, and that may not be good. <laughs> um, and of course, I'm aware that I do actually do have a lot more support that I don't really utilize as much because I don't really feel like I need it, um, but I do know that it's there. And I guess that also kind of makes me feel good that I know that it's there if I need it. Absolutely. Makes total sense. Luke, do you have a mentor or do you have like someone who supports you in your role? Someone who's there as a specific mentor or support person? Yeah, yeah. So um, my mentor, Finn, uh, he's been invaluable during my time here. He's also an analyst here at Treasury. Uh, so not only does he guide me through the tasks that I need to do and introduce me to the people in the branch that I ought to know, uh, he also informs me of the culture here at Treasury, pointing out the nuance, the nuances of the workplace, uh, which, which are things that would take me a long time to figure out by myself. And also, as I forge my career path, um, I don't doubt that he'll help me on my way through that. 
uh, also as a key reference, because uh, one thing that I've struggled with um, just getting into this job was not having many professional referees, you know, people that know what I'm capable of doing in a professional setting. Uh, but now that Finn sees everything that I do and can vouch for my work, yeah, that's that's something I've, I've really come to appreciate. Having someone to support you and to believe in you is uh, it just makes such a, a massive difference. I can I can hear that in your voice, um, Nicole. What about you? Mentors, supports. Yeah, so um, I have worked through Untapped, and uh, they're they're the ones who've contracted me out to NAB. And um, yeah, I have a autism support coordinator and. His name's Shane and he's pretty amazing and uh, we meet together twice a week and yeah just catch up. Um, he asks me how things are going, if um, I have any uh, questions or struggles. Um, he sometimes advocates on my behalf with uh, either with Untapped or with NAB. And um, it's just really good to have someone in my corner who, um, you know, cares enough to, um, you know, check out what's going on. Um, yeah, and he's become a good friend as well, which has been really good. Um, but at work, my team lead has been really good and one of uh, my colleagues um, has been really good as well. And he's good at breaking things down, um, breaking tasks down into smaller uh, more understandable bits and pieces, which is uh, really important for me. Um, it's easy to be given, you know, here's the task. And it's like, okay, where do I start with this? What are the steps that I need to take to get there? Um, so, yeah, that's been really helpful as well. Um, but having support people, um, even just as a safety net, like you might not need to utilize um the people around you but if the wheels ever fall off it's really important to have someone there that you can turn to or you know can help you out with that kind of stuff absolutely and i think it's really important for people watching this is the thing right okay so you know autism comes with the idea of daily support needs like we've talked about so you should read that as as a pretty easy guide if there's an autistic person in your life, you may well need to support them or find someone who can be there to support them. Now, that doesn't mean all the same thing. It might mean support them through a job at Treasury, support them through making a meal for themselves. It's Everyone's different, but it's important to understand no one, no one um, is not needed. Um, every, if, you have an, if you're an employer with an autistic neurodivergent employee, you really need to make this just a standard thing. There's a mentor support person in place and there's someone who can regularly check in and ask them those questions, you know, what they need, how they're going, what they feel like. Daniel, uh, we've got some questions coming through, my friend. Now, look, just so everyone's watching, uh, please put your questions in the Q&A pane and, uh, you know, type them in. There's lots coming through and I'm going to start it now because I want to give people the chance to get some answers. Hey, Daniel, this one is from uh, people watching. They want to know, is your work with animals fulfilling and relaxing and do you find it easier to get, to get along with the animals you work with compared to, say, neurotypical people? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, throughout my life, I've been more comfortable working with animals like 
ever since my dad worked on the farm, like he worked with dogs and horses. So from a young age, I've been more comfortable like working with animals and such. So when the opportunity came, um, I decided to take up upon it. And every day it's just been comfortable and kind of theoretic working with animals and each animal's different personalities, even with pigs. Like some can be grumpy, some can be mischievous, like getting out. <laughs> but no, it's been rewarding and fulfilling just working with animals in general, like different kinds. Like I'd worked with birds, um, worked. Um, this is only honestly my first full-time job, like working at the biggery. Um, before that, I was volunteering with different places, um, worked at a little hobby farm, um, worked at my high school's animal class department, um, where I had different, worked with different animals. So, no, in general, it's no, definitely more comfortable working with animals than people in general, but <laughs> I can still work in teams and such. So <laughs> that, That's great, Daniel. Thank you. And I, I guess, you know, you make some great points you know, talking about the idea that the role can actually be kind of therapeutic to you, which I think is fantastic. And also the idea, this actually came, I wrote this down from the last session on employers. Someone said, and I wrote this down, um, it, it's, it's okay to not like a role. They have to explain that to a lot of neurodivergent in, employees. And it's interesting because from my point of view, again, I won't speak on behalf of anyone else. It's unthinkable to me that I would do a role or a job for, you know, for any period of time that I didn't actually want to do, that I didn't actually like, to have a passion for the job, a passion for the work. And as Daniel says, you know, it's therapeutic and it's passionate. It's always been what he's done. And I think, I know this might sound uh, an alien concept, but for employers, it's important to note that, if an autistic person is applying for a role, you know, again, I can't say every time, but the majority of times it's because they actually like that role, they actually have a passion or a love for that role or that that type of um, work or that industry. And, and it's unthinkable to us that you could live an entire life working in a job you don't like. Um, you know, it, that doesn't make any any sense. It's uh, the, the old uh, the old golden handcuffs it's a bit strange to me now there's there's quite a lot of questions coming through uh, on the Q&A pane and my goodness um it is uh it is uh slightly uh, overwhelming but we'll do the best we can so let's have a quick look here okay so um guys we're talking about making a workplace um or an employer you know a safe a safe place for autistic people what do you think's made the most difference in your experience as an employee with regards to just feeling, you know, safe, content, secure, um, you know, productive. Anyone can chime in. Um, I'm not, I'm not too faced who wants to have a, have a chat, but does anyone have any, any things to offer about, you know, making workplaces um, safe and enjoyable for autistic people? Um, I guess don't talk down to people with autism. <laughs> don't like, uh, coddle us we are adults or at least <laughs> I believe that I am an adult um, I, I mean like I believe that 
Uh, sorry, I was trying to make a joke, but I don't think that landed. No, it's a good. No, it's, um, a good it's a good joke. It's a good joke. <laughs> it's a good joke. Um, but anyway, uh, so like, just don't coddle us. Uh, we will. We may take a little longer to get certain aspects uh, of certain uh, facets of the job, um, but we will get there. Uh, just be patient. Explain things. Know that we may need a little bit of extra support around certain areas. Um, also know, I guess, the body language around when we don't want to engage with people. Because um, there are that? points where... What does that look like? I guess, and this is kind of difficult for me to explain, but like, if I don't want to talk to someone, I will be very quick and concise with my answers. Um, and like, I'll usually just try and bow out of any social interaction. Um, I guess mostly just sort of, it would be more to be like, just be aware of, how things can change on a dime really um yeah because as you've mentioned before each day is different for someone with autism uh each person with autism is different <laughs> and the different symptoms of autism don't show it show themselves in exactly the same way um every single time which is kind of the i guess difficult thing about autism because it is a spectrum um but yeah just being aware of that um also as i mentioned before with me specifically uh being social does sap it out of me a lot so be aware of that and also the fact that i don't know if this relates to anyone else, but I can get rather overloaded if a lot of jobs come at the same time. I usually like to do things methodically. Uh, so one at a time. And if you bring me too many things to do at once, I will get overloaded and stressed out. <laughs> yeah. And it's not fun for anyone. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's uh, there's some, just some overwhelming amount of points to be made there. I think we could also add what we've said, heard from, from Luke and Nicole too, just the idea about support, but also people asking and checking in. They're the things that make it safe. And But I think, um, like you say, okay, so task switching, multitasking, these types of things, you know, these are uh, ex executive functioning things. Executive function is basically a set of cognitive skills. Autism is a neurodevelopmental condition. So, um, you know, this goes hand in hand and it's really important for people to understand that. And I think you mentioned uh, already, James, some of the things that set you off, right? So we're talking about social things and, and I guess multiple tasks at once. And we've had, we have actually um, had a few people talk about how do you guys experience these burnouts or these shutdowns or meltdowns or these, you know, these changes to your state through the working day? How do you, and so for example, we can already say a good example from James has already said too much socializing, too much interaction, too many people wanting too many things at once. How, how do you, uh, how do you go about that? How do you get around it? Do you have any advice? Now, this is probably the most um, liked question guys. So it's okay if everyone wants to talk about this, but basically that people are really interested in knowing uh you actually experience meltdown, shutdown, burnout during your work day. It actually can happen. And so how does it happen? And 
how do you get around it and what's your advice? Uh, people want to know this one, guys. So um, who wants to start off? Who wants to talk us through a day in the life for them? Yeah, sure. Um, one of the things that will burn me out really quickly is information overload, being told a whole bunch of stuff and then just not having time to process it. So whenever that happens, I find the best thing for me to do is just go for a walk, have a long stroll, let, let everything settle down in my head and then come back with a, with a clearer mind. Yeah, I, I love find that, idea. that. I love that idea, Nicole. Yeah, I I find that if I my first go to is a shutdown, and if I don't get a chance to do that, it becomes a meltdown, which is significantly worse. Um, so yeah, just having that time to step away. Um, you know, I've worked with my therapists on different ways to handle that. So. Um, you know, focusing on, um, yeah, just being aware of my body in the space that I am right now. So I work from my toes all the way up to my head and just being able to tangibly know myself in the space um, as opposed to focusing on all of the things that are happening. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's kind of what will happen for me um but yeah being able to focus on things outside of my head is yeah is important yes yeah i just want to quickly break this down for people watching and then i, I want to get to um the next point which is still about this but i just want to quickly break this down so if you're you know for those watching if you're an autistic person and you have a job the point of your job is to do your job okay um Again, I'm not speaking on behalf of everyone. I'm just saying as a rule in general terms, it's do your job. So all the other things related to the job that aren't you doing your job are potential shutdown, meltdown, burnout triggers. Now, for those wondering what, what he's talking about, you know, a shutdown is a bit, is a bit like, you know, an inward an inward expression where your your brain is in effect overwhelmed. Uh, it, it's a bit like, you know, when you're on the computer and I don't know where it just restarts or just shuts down um you know and a meltdown is more of an, an external manifestation okay where your it's a you know your, your brain is disconnected from the rest of your body it's a it's a it's an uncontrollable thing that's the other thing i try to point out we can't have people thinking that uh, autistic meltdowns are tantrums or manipulations they're not even controlled or willed they're in effect a seizure. So it's important to understand and a burnout is a result of too many shutdowns and meltdowns where you are in in, in effect completely unproductive and they're, they're horrific to go through. So, you know, you name it, you know, do you need to send that many emails? Do you need to have that many meetings? Do you need to come in and ask them about things individual? Do you need to bring so many tasks? Do you need to have this meeting, that social gathering, this morning tea, that lunch, that after dinner thing, you know, do you need to change where they sit? Do you need to change... The, the, the type of lighting, the sound, and they're, they're all part of that. Okay. So I just wanted to break that down really quickly. So guys, let's talk about support. Okay. So people have talked about, about the side of shutdowns, meltdowns, you know, these types of experiences being dysregulated by the workplace, by people. And they want to know about it happening at work. What was the experience and, you know, what supports did you receive, which I, I find 
I find that question just brilliant. It's it's such a a beautifully placed question. Um, in my experience, um, I you know that's that's fanciful. There isn't there are. I mean, the supports I received were got fired or got a HR slap for being you know too autistic or whatever. So from your point of view, guys, what have your experiences been if you've actually become you know, dysregulated, shut down, meltdown, uh, you know, one way or another, it's manifested in the workplace. How how has that been for you as a person? How has it made you feel? And what supports did you guys were lucky enough to have, if any? Um, in the past, because I was I was diagnosed a little bit later in life as a as a young adult. Um, in the past, um, if I'd had um, a shutdown usually if it if it was a meltdown because it it becomes very um visible and um people not kind of understanding that and my meltdowns just look like a crying panic attack kind of thing and um yeah people just not kind of been able to deal with that um so before my diagnosis before being able to get support through um you know knowing what was going on um it was just a mess it was <laughs> there was it yeah um meltdowns and then my last job just became burnout and I had to step away because you know it just wasn't working for me um but now being able to have support um my shutdowns look like my support person going okay do you need to take a couple of hours out or there was one time where I where I just took the rest of the day and was able to put myself into a headspace where um yeah just be, being able to relax and work things out and just step away from the problem um so yeah, I think having having that support is so important. Um, having seen both sides of the of the coin, mm. um, yeah, it's w- without support, it's just a. I'm not going to swear on here. It's just a mess, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's about um, understanding too, really, isn't it? If to understand that you that it's okay to offer you the opportunity to just go away for an hour or two or to get out or in Luke's case to take a random walk outside, you know, like, you know, people, it's, it's, it's interesting how things can be looked at in a negative way by people who don't understand. But of course, if you, if you have some sort of understanding and appreciation of why this is happening, then the supports are available and they work and everyone feels better rather than somehow you're made to feel guilty for requiring or needing, you know, an escape or, or some sort of support. Yeah, I um a lot of autistic people have um other medical conditions that go along with it. I I have epilepsy as well, and I find if I have a seizure, I get a better response from people um in terms of giving support and giving help than if I have a meltdown. So it's it's interesting in that space that there's not a lot of awareness I guess in public about what you know uh autism might look like and because we're all so different 
yeah. you know, everyone expresses themselves differently. Um, but yeah, it's, it's something that it's important to be aware of. Um, yeah. Oh, and just, just a plug. It's um, epilepsy awareness month. So yes. Yeah. Get on, get in on that. Purple. Uh, my uh, my son has to wear a touch of purple to school on Friday. You explain to a nine-year-old autistic kid what a touch of purple means. Good luck. Um, anyway, uh, I just told him you can wear purple undies, mate. You'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. Well done. Now, there's so many more uh, questions coming through before we get through this. Um, so let's work out that. Okay, here we go. Um for starters, guys, everyone's uh, definitely uh, giving you big thumbs up and saying thank you so much for you know your conversations. Um, now it is becoming a little bit overwhelming um, to get to all the different questions. What exactly did it take to get into your positions? Someone's saying there, you know, uh, I guess resumes, qualifications, interviews, all these different application service. Uh, all these types of things. Uh, I guess this is a great conversation. We were talking about this the other day when we were just having a kind of an, uh, an off summit conversation about, you know, that there's a few issues here. There's first, there's there's getting an opportunity to apply for a job. Then there's actually getting an interview for a job. And then there's actually keeping a job. And Nicole, you said yourself, you know, you've got to the point where you've burnt out from jobs. And that's because if people don't understand autistic people are masking while they're at work. In other words, they're suppressing their true selves and they're, they're, we're only doing it for, you know, for non-autistic people to basically make you feel comfortable. Uh, I, I may, imagine if other people spent their day trying to make us feel comfortable, but, you know, the masking doesn't, it doesn't go well. You can't do it 24-7 and with all the different things that you know, Luke's talked about, James talked about, everyone's talked about that can overcome you, you are going to experience burnout. And then, of course, there goes the job. And then we're back to the figures we have. The, you know, the eight times more likely to be unemployed, underemployed in modern day Australia. So let's let's talk a bit about the the job, the job world. Who wants to share some experiences on on you know the troubles of of getting a job, uh, getting into jobs, and maybe you even have experiences on you know do you is a resumes hard, are qualifications hard? Do you even disclose? you're autistic. Any experiences you guys have to share with people who are obviously having challenges getting into employment? Um, well, for me, I actually had a lot of support around getting jobs through my parents. Um, of course, this was before I actually had my official uh, diagnosis. Um, I was similar to Nicole in that I actually had it a lot later. Um, in my late 20s so I'm about 28 now I actually had it when I was 26 and I got diagnosed then um, so there was definitely a lot of hitting my head against the wall with getting work and going in for interviews thinking I did well and then getting an email back saying oops sorry we don't have a position here for you at the moment uh and so familiar also, james so familiar that is so familiar that feeling of getting a getting a job interview doing well maybe a second one doing well and not reading the situation at all it's it's debilitating and then 
also just revising and revising and revising your resume continuously and spitting it out so much like because I don't know if you remember a while ago but I went through the whole uh, work for the doll system um, which was an interesting time uh, and also the I think it was like 30 jobs per month or 30 jobs per fortnight or something um, and I just kept putting out my resume to pretty much any job that I could do, like a, any low skill job, laboring, anything like that, and just not hearing back. Um, and starting to think that, well, maybe there's something wrong with me. <laughs> and like, I guess the best thing that I can say is you just need to persevere with it. Um, the really funny thing about my um, position that I have right now was it was just being in the right place at the right time honestly um, I went to a, a job convention at the Adelaide Festival Centre and met with uh, one of uh, like the managers of TAFE and what happened was we met with him had a chat gave him my resume went home, checked my emails, and he sent through an email saying, hey, I got this job. It's a for like a Wintel engineer position at, with, at DXC. And it's specifically for people who are neurodivergent. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Just put in my resume. And was, a few weeks later, I got a reply back saying that I got the position, went through the process of, went through the interview process, which was a bit of a different an interesting interview process for me. It wasn't so formal. It was more of a informal interview process. And here I am now, I guess. <laughs> so it's more, I guess, being in the right place at the right time, um, making sure that people are aware that you are out there and that you do want to work is also important. Um, and I would actually say it is important that you make people aware of autism. Um, like that you do have autism, the specific type of autism that you have and the supports or what, what supports you need and what supports you don't need um, is important. Um, and I guess also it would also help to have someone who can actually advocate for you as well. Who would actually who actually does have a lot more understanding about autism? Mm -hmm. um, as yeah. I found myself explaining my uh, intricacies is rather difficult. Fantastic! You know, guys, we're 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 well out of time, uh, way out of time. So I I apologise if we haven't been able to get any more responses, but we are. Uh, uh, absolutely come to the the end of this uh, amazing session thank you so much for your contribution uh, daniel nicole luke and james just a, a fantastic discussion probably could have been um another half an hour at least uh, on talking about some of these things and thanks for the great questions from from people watching we really do appreciate it we're going to have a break for lunch our next session will be a panel on human resource professionals. To get there, you click back to the homepage, the agenda page, you see the session listed starting soon. When you're ready, you click on the link, it'll take you to the next session and we will see you there. Thanks once again for attending this particular session and thanks to Sunpork for sponsoring this session. We'll see you soon. 
The 2023 Autism at Work Virtual Summit was proudly sponsored by DXC Technologies, GHD Engineering, La Trobe University, Untapped Group, ANZ, and SAP. Autism CRC is the independent national source of evidence for best practice. For more information on Autism CRC or the Autism at Work Virtual Summit, head to our website autismcrc.com.au.